Welcome to the Long Suffering Buds podcast with your hosts, Tom Gibson and Adam Knott. British woman introduction. We are getting serious, aren't we? British lady, sorry. Yeah, you have to be, you have to be respectful, especially in their culture. Why do they sound smarter than everybody? I guess it's, uh, you know what, when I was uh, backpacking Africa, uh, we were there with, uh, with all these different people uh, with different accents, but there was a British guy there. And I remember one time I said something like, you know, cause everybody had different accents and I was like, ah, who's to say how it goes really. And he was like, well, I think I get to decide, don't I? He had this most posh British accent. So <laughs> I think that, that, that that's what it is. You know, that they, they see themselves as classy and they carry themselves that way. I would respect a person with a British accent more than an average person. How was your weekend? It was good. Went down to the ACC and uh, saw the Leafs game with Jury, unfortunately. Yeah, that wasn't pretty. No, but uh, luckily my Sunday was saved. Got to, uh, to make some pizza with Hannah. What did you put on your pizza? Well, I'm one of those disgusting people that always puts barbecue sauce on mine. Every time? Every time. That's not a pizza then? Yeah, I guess not. But Nicole never eats all of hers, so I always get a couple extra slices of regular. So I kind of get the best of both worlds. So you still eat regular pizza? I'll eat all pizza. But you still you still exist in a world where your main the when you decide how you're going to eat pizza, there's barbecue sauce on it. Absolutely, yeah. I'm a weird person, and I put pineapple on there. So just any pizza fan in general is going to be just throwing up right now, I imagine, for the most part. Once you put po- barbecue sauce on it, I don't think it's pizza anymore. Uh, I don't think I if go we, that if, far. We, if you Googled pizza right now or Wikipedia pizza, I don't think it would say you can substitute tomato sauce with barbecue sauce and it's still a pizza. Like, if you put, if you put hot dogs in a hamburger bun, is that still a hamburger? <laughs> i don't think the sauce is the most important ingredient in the pizza though okay the wiener and the patty obviously are of the burger okay so if you change the bun if, if you, you if you, you remove the tomato or something and switch that out yeah i think it would still be and that's why i think the sauce is on the pizza you think the sauce it's is a base it's just the tomato it's just a base layer what's the most important part of the pizza cheese people who have no what about cheese the dough? what about the dough if you don't have dough what do you the have? dough can be swapped in and out though for what for lots of different stuff. People Bread? put it on flatbreads, nan, non-breads, nan-breads. That's still... It's you still, can swap it out, man. It's a the substitute. It's not a, an elimination. What have you ever seen substituted for cheese? More cheese. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't ask me what I did this weekend. That's right. I was about to. How was your weekend, Tom? Uh, it was good. I uh, went up to Ottawa. and Enemy uh, territory. Enemy territory. I went and visit with our friend Murray, who we'll be speaking to later. Yeah. Um, you guys thought you got a lot of snow here? Yeah, it snows crazy in Ottawa. It was insane. How much did they get? Like, honestly, before we got there, they had about a foot. And we got there Saturday morning and left Monday morning. And they got about another foot or a foot and a half while we were there. Wow. It was insane. It's because God hates the Ottawa senators, so therefore he punishes their people. There's a lot of politicians up in Ottawa, too, though. Yeah, God hates God hates Trudeau's reversal on the electoral reform. <laughs> immediately political. Yeah, immediately. Yeah, that's, you're, that's steal, you're stealing the fla- the platform. <laughs> Can't do that. No, this is a this is a this is a team effort. We got to be partners. That's what it was. <laughs> my views are my own and do not reflect the opinions of the LSB podcast. 
Big League with British Lady intro and Big League with social media and email addresses. Isn't that right? Yeah. Uh, listeners can now reach us on email at uh, lsbpodcast at gmail.com if you have any show ideas or uh, if you like interviews. Or if you want to troll us. Yeah, yeah, for sure. If you want to make fun of Murray for his, his squash game. There's still fair game, I think, for another week. <laughs> you know what? I saw him this weekend, and it was, uh, it was. <laughs> he obviously hadn't listened to the show, or maybe he had, I don't know. But he was, uh, he was talking to me about his squash game. Like, he was like, yeah, I was a little bit rusty, but I was playing this one guy, and I managed to sort of squeeze out, you know, like a narrow victory. And I was like, yeah, you're, you're talking about squash, right? <laughs> <laughs> I just picture Murray going, uh, you know, it was some, like, multi-million dollar CEO that he was playing squash with. <laughs> Who ha- else happens would, to be pals with. Who else would be playing squash <laughs> other than Murray and a multi-millionaire? <laughs> it's probably one of these things that's like a cult thing. It's way more common than I realize. And, and, you, just, and you just gave out our, our Twitter addresses. We're going to get <laughs> trolled. Yeah. All right. I got to give a shout out to uh, my buddy Aaron for crafting the uh, opening track for this podcast. I was remiss. I didn't mention him last week. Uh, we're really appreciative because uh, there's copyright infringements at play so we had to get him to make an original track for us so we appreciate that we're going to put his uh facebook page up on uh on our social media and possibly our website if we get one up and running soon i'm not too sure but that not's the tech guy but speaking of social media and uh all that stuff not you got some things to take care of yeah uh, the lsp podcast is moving on up in the world we are now available on itunes so definitely subscribe and uh um, rate and review us as it definitely helps at the beginning um, we're also now available on most podcasting uh, streaming outlets, I think. Uh, so Stitcher, Google Play Music, you can get us on SoundCloud. Um, yeah, we're, we're out there now. Oh, one more correction I also need to make. Mike McIntyre, ladies and gentlemen, I know there was a few of you probably upset by this. <laughs> Already a correction to the show. Yeah, yeah is, is not the coach <laughs> of the Denver Broncos. He actually coaches... University of Colorado Boulder. That is my mistake. It makes that first show's title so much funnier. Yeah. Yeah. So my Leafs game with Jury was the first time I've ever sat that close. Uh, for the listeners. How uh, close were you? Jury has some fantastic seats when you get to go to games with him. Uh, I don't know what row it is. Do you remember? It's it's quite close. The closest I've ever been. It's the Golds. Ooh. Yeah. So I don't know what that is, but it's... Uh... It's good if you're. I find if you're in the platinums, I'm not even being. I'm just truthfully. I think it's too close. You can't see. You can't see what's going on the other end of the ice. So I like being up just a little bit. About I think it's about. I want to say about seventeen rows, something fifteen rows, something like that. It's you're just above, just sort of just above the glass, and you can see the whole ice. It's, it's nice and close, right yeah. on the aisle too. Yeah. So uh, right on the aisle, you can yeah. dip right out, grab yourself a beer, and dip back into play as a TV timeout. Yeah, and, and Jerry did it and showed me that he could do it. Oh, he's it was, a pro. It was impressive. He's a veteran. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was excellent. Uh, anyhow, it's the closest I've ever sat. I was amazed that you have this like executive service that you can order through an app and they will bring you food and beer directly to your seat, Uber style. That's pretty wild. I was very impressed. That's, that's, isn't that you can order sushi and wine? Is that? I didn't know about that. And see, that's how, that's why everybody gets chirped, man. That's why the ACC gets chirped is because there's not, you know, well, there are beer drinking, hot dog eating, fans going, but there's also, you know, literally suits, drinking Cabernet and eating Nemo. (laughs) (laughs) So, 
we're at this game and I'm sitting down in the golds for the first time and, and I'm quite impressed. I've never seen the game from up that, that up close. And in front of us, there was these couple of dads and their kids that were, that were there. And it didn't seem like to me that they owned those seats, that they got them on, you know, a stub hub or something like that, that it was like a nice night out for them. Um, so the two dads were sitting together and then right on the edge directly in front of, of jury and I are these two little kids, nice enough kids, you know, they were enjoying the game. And I think it was at the end of the, the second period, a, a guy was leaving with his kid and he came from way down in the third row and he was leaving the game and you could see him kind of scoping out the audience a bit as he was going up. And then he came up to the two dads in front of us and said, we're leaving you know, if these two, if, if your two little guys want to take our seats, it's in the third row. These are the seat numbers and then left. So first of all, I was thinking, wow, I would love to have so much money that I can just pop in to sit in the third row of a Leafs game. You know, we'll just pop in for a couple periods and then we'll head back out. You know, we can, we can <laughs> drop into that. Like you drop into like your kid's <sighs> high school volleyball game or just something. Seeing, just you know? seeing what's going on. Yeah. Crazy. So that's yeah. the first place. But the second thing is the kids didn't take the seats. <laughs> so, how, old, how old are these kids? Um, 10, maybe 11. Oh my God. All right. They didn't want to leave. So then I was sitting there with Jerry going, I'm, I'm the kid here. Like I'm this is amazing. I've never been this close. Can we go sit in the third row? Like I'm asking him, like he's my dad. Like, can we just go take those seats? Like they're not gonna, they're not using them. Those kids are being crazy. And what did Jerry say? Uh, no, no. Jerry's a good dad. No, Jerry plays straight. Right. <laughs> anyway, that was... all right, we got to get into headlines here because uh, we got to call Jerry. Jerry, uh, Jerry gave us a timeline, and we are going to be tight. So we got to be getting into headlines. So. Uh, later on, we're going to get into uh, the Leafs, uh, sort of their struggles, what's going on right now. We we touched on it last week, but obviously, you know, they're going to they're gonna overachieve a little bit, and that's, I think, what happened early on, and, and you're just seeing the result of a young team, but we'll get into that a little bit later. We're going to get into um, Gardner and what you think. What do you think about his long-term prospect? We didn't even talk about this, but as a, as a headline, we're going to get into this later. What do you think of him in terms of where he fits in in the long term? All right, and then NHL headlines later, we're going to talk about Julian. Obviously, that was sort of a long time coming. He was, I think he was there for about a decade or almost. So, yeah, that was a long time coming. Who's next? And uh, I don't know if there's going to be any more before the trade line, deadline, but there's a couple axes that could fall. Uh, Nightfest just uh, almost took somebody's head off. Uh, we'll get into that. Uh, Illich kind of ran the show in Detroit for, I don't know how long, a few decades anyway. We'll get into that. Uh, so on the other side, we're going to talk to uh, Jury about... Uh, he's going to be our Leaf guy this week. Murray's going to be our NHL around the league guy. So uh, we'll get into the uh, Leaf chat with Jury next. It's Buds Buzz. In-depth Leafs talk on the LSB podcast featuring Chris Jury. Okay, we finally got Jury. It's our second week. It took us a while to get a, get him in our headphones. Jury, how you doing? I'm doing well, guys. We're late. I'm sorry. We were supposed to call you sooner. You said you wanted to be done by 9.30, and it's 9.23. That is my Yeah, round. you got seven minutes. <laughs> we had you for about 40 last week, so <laughs> we'll, st we'll stretch this out. All right, we got to get into some Leaf talk here. Uh, Jury, uh, I think I sent you the talking points of what we're going to talk about. We wanted to get into the just the, the general struggles the Leafs are going through right now. I know we sort of touched on this last week with... I guess Anderson, you know, like any team, when the goaltending's up, then the team's up. But um, obviously, you know, this is to be expected from a young team, and I think that this is just sort of uh, uh, a market correction. Uh, what's your take on uh, what's going on right now? 
Yeah, just about that. I mean, when they went nine, one and one, I don't think we thought they were going to keep that up forever. And eventually they were going to go through a, a little bit of a downfall and go through some struggles. And when you look at what the schedule is and who they're playing and the, how it's condensed, like, let's be honest, did, did we think that the Leafs were going to run away with the playoff spot and just kind of ease in there? No, and <laughs> I was watching uh, an interview with Kadri. I think it was yesterday or the day before that uh, he was kind of saying the same thing. He said, "If you had asked any of us at the beginning of the year if we w- if we would take being where we are right now, every single one of us would have taken it." So we're not totally. we're, we're not panicked. We're you know we're, we're hoping that we can turn things around here, but we're not panicked because it, it's, it's great to be where we are, which makes sense. Yeah, and, and I was thinking about that today too, and. Uh... Like if you would have asked me in October if I would be happy if they were fighting for a playoff spot, absolutely. And obviously now with how well they've done, you want them to make it. But if they fall just short of the playoffs, you still have to look at the season as being a success because they were still being picked by everybody to be 30th, 29th, 28th place team. Like there weren't there weren't very many people who predicted that they're doing what that they'd be doing what they're doing this year. Yeah, they're playing with house money at this point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, it's uh, you know, it's almost like we can look back at it and say it was a, uh, it's it's a typical, you know, Toronto thing because I think the media, you know, I I don't want I don't want to be one of these guys, but the media drives these sort of sort of things, and of course we feed, we we buy into it, so yeah. Um, that's where we're the resistance. This podcast is the resistance. <laughs> yeah, because I just referred. I just said the media. Well, dude, I guess technically the, <laughs> we're not media yeah, de- by the by the definition. Technically, we are. <laughs> I guess it's true. I guess that's true. Just not, just not mainstream. Media. Not mainstream. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, we're underground. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so so hear me out on this thought that I had. Um, in the last ten games, the Leafs are four, four, and two. So five hundred hockey at its finest. Right? Not great. <laughs> Not terrible, but right, <laughs> right, right smack dab in the middle, right? So I, I was on a website of a, a rival media outlet. Is that what I'm supposed to say? <laughs> no, dude, we have no, we have no uh, obligations. We can say, we can, we can okay. call out anybody. Yeah. So it was on, I think it was TSN, I'm, I'm fairly certain. Okay. Uh, and its line was Leafs uh, with only two wins in their last eight games. And I found that kind of illuminating a little bit. You know, you're kind of grabbing the exact sequence of games that, that gives you the line you're trying to sell. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean yeah. that's what that's what that's what odds and like a little bit. This is I know I'm gonna, I get in trouble saying this, but that's odds and statistics. It's it's just like anything else. You can you can frame it the way that you are trying to uh, to, to to make your point. All right, let's move on to the next thing. <laughs> well, and, an, and that's why that's why I kind of like Babcock's uh, six game stretch that he has. Is it six games or he's looking to get 10 points or right. off with that? What, what is it he's looking for? Yep, yep, that's right. Yeah, like I like looking at it like that, or I've always even thought if you look at the regular season as being a series of like seven-game playoff series and like chunk it like that because not right. You can look at a stretch any certain way. Like, yeah, they lost to Buffalo, but they've also had a couple losses last week where at least they picked up points in the loss. And if they can continue to to do that to get that loser point then they're going to stay in the race right up until the end sure and and they they haven't had a slowdown in scoring because i I really wanted to look into this before i asked you about it and when you look down the list of of the least players over the last 10 games 
Um, the only one when I'm looking down, and this is only forwards that I have done here, so we're ignoring the D, although we are going to move to Gardner in a second. Uh, Polak should be in there, I guess. So. <laughs> you look through this list of points. You got Matthews, four goals, three assists for seven points. Marner, five and five. Uh, Nylander, five and two. Bozak, one and five. JVR, three and two. Uh, Kadri with two and seven. And Komarov with, with one. <laughs> Uh, so most of their best players are over 10 games. That's not, it's not, you're not, it's at not, that. It's not like the offense is dried up. Yeah. You're, you're close, yeah. close to a point of game for most of them. I mean, you might have a question mark for Bozy and, and JVR, but still six and five points over 10 is not, is not terrible. The only one that's a question mark there is Komarov, but we're coming back to him later, I guess. Um, so I think that, yeah, that it's, it's a little bit, it's much ado about nothing in a way that, that they don't look like they're doing that poorly. What do you think, Jerry? Yeah, and like I'm just looking at the schedule right now. So their last five games, and they're two, one, and two. So, like when you look at it that way, like they've only had one regulation loss in their last five. So it's it's the goals against too, right? They've got over 20 goals against in the last handful of games, and scoring isn't the issue. And they don't don't know scoring is ever going to be an issue with these guys. They're just too good offensively. But Anderson is going through a little bit of a lull, and the defense isn't good right now, and they need him to be great. And that's just, they're just not able to keep enough pucks under their own net right now. Yeah, and speaking of the defense, uh, we wanted to get into uh, Gardner um, and um, what you think the long term viability is going to be for him. You know, just recently, uh, he's displayed again after I don't know how many opportunities that he's not ready to fill uh, the top spot or even the number two spot when called upon. He's a, what did you call him, a niche player? He's not a utility guy. He's a, you know, he's a power play specialist, I guess you'd say. But do you see him on a championship team, even as a fourth guy? And how do you feel about um, the value of his contract, maybe what you could get for him? And uh, I know he's still young, and so he could be, you know, viable on a, on a championship run, but do you stick with him? Do you think you can win with him or do you, do you move on and say, we need a guy that we can, we need, we can move up the lineup and trust him if we need to. I think, he, I think you can win with him. And as long as you know what he is, which at this point, I think that they've, they've figured out that he is a three, four guy who plays really well when he is sheltered, like when he's not playing top competition, I was really looking forward to, to seeing how he did when, when Riley went out there for that stretch of time, and I had high hopes that Gardner, that he would step up Gardner and would be able to perform, but he's the kind of guy that he's he's so smooth with the skating and smooth with his outlet passes. He just makes some things look really easy, and they're not, and you don't think much of it just because he does it so smoothly, and then when he makes an error, it's just glaring. Like It looks like it's the most egregious outlet pass or whatever and it just it stands out and it it seems like it's always been like that for him with his days of releases every single mistake that he makes it's just it's an obvious one and then the good things that he does and there's lots of them kind of seem to go unnoticed but i think that you can win with him but he's not a top pairing guy and i don't know if he ever will be He's gonna get a uh, like a saying named after him. People are gonna be like, "You really gardened that one up, didn't you?" <laughs> <laughs> and what will that be? <laughs> a guy who almost made it but not quite. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, I feel like with Gardner, I think I agree with both of you that it's it's one of those cases, and the Leafs have more than one example of this happening over the course of uh, of, of time that I've been watching them anyway. Of just 
getting upset with a player, not because of who he is, but because he's not who you want him to be. Right. Um, in that case, I think, yeah, he's a serviceable player. I could see him being on a, on a cup winning team. If he's playing his role, he's a, he's a, exactly like a Tyler Bozak to me, who has been a, you know, solid contributor to that team. A great guy. I like him a lot, but I, I have to admit, I chirped him a lot when he first got here and over that time. So I think, yeah, I was right in that boat too. So I can see the hate on for Gardner a little bit. He's marinated though. He is, he wasn't the player that he was when he broke into the league. He had obvious things to work on he worked on them and now he's you know one of the top face-off guys in the league but we're gonna move on to uh we're gonna get into Komarov uh what was that quote jury not told me that you heard a quote about Komarov what was the quote no jury said this at the game it's very profound oh is that true this is a quote directly from jury that's right uh, what was it jury? how many what years you... in was this quote it, it's, a, you... it's a paraphrase jury so if I get it wrong feel free to call me out but you said something along the lines of um the play just seems to die on Komarov's stick or it ends on his stick. <laughs> did I get that right? Yeah, it was something along those lines, I think. And what, and what, did, what did you mean by that, Jerry? Well, just when, when, um, when you're watching the Leafs play and, you know, it's Kadri and Elander that he's playing with and they're cycling the puck down low and then, like, anytime I see Komarov get it, I'm just like, uh, there it goes. Like, he, it's almost like he's... He's us in beerly talking. It's just like, oh shit, here's the puck. And just kind of like flips it back in the corner, kind of thing. Speak for yourself, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Uh, what do you attribute that? Do you think that's a loss of confidence, or do you think he maybe just had been way overachieving the last few years? Like, I know a lot of his goals when you look back at the when he was successful there he had a good stretch he was getting a lot of mucky goals which is you know typical of a you know blasphemous name of david clarkson but um what do you what do you attribute it to what's uh what's going on do you think he's going to bounce back or is this just who he is yeah i think like last year it was almost the case of somebody's got to score for this team right because they had nobody and go to the All Star game. <laughs> well, and then, like, Who's the oldest? Kind of embarrassing, yeah. <laughs> but like, I, I don't think he's a, an offensive threat at all or a weapon. Like, I like him for his role and what he does. And you know, if they make the playoffs, I think he'd be a great guy to have on your team. Agreed. Yeah. He's, he's going to be that shit disturber. Like, my favorite Leafs moment of the season has been that goal that he scored in Washington. And then padded was it Orpik? Yeah. Like, like, that's the best thing ever. Yeah, that's the best yeah. chirp I've ever seen. That's classic Omarov, isn't it? Yeah. So if like he's gonna do stuff like that against opposing teams for a seven game series, he drives people wild. But yeah. he's like he's just not he's not an offensive player at all. Well that that's what I was wondering about. I mean that's clear, right? One assist in the last ten games, that's pretty standard. I think he has sixteen points this year, so it's not nothing, but yeah. Um, does what he does outside of that in terms of, uh, you know, what he does on the penalty kill, obviously, and the fact that he plays against the top lines, he's been beside Kadri all year. Kadri gets nothing but praise and Komarov's been beside him. Have they ever been apart? I don't think they have all year. Does that, you know, does what he does on that end completely make up for his lack of production and hopefully what you get out of him in the playoffs, as you just mentioned, uh, what do you think, Tom? Uh, no, I think that, uh, I think Jerry hit it. I think that he's, uh, he, if it, he's a role player and, um, he, he's one of those guys that might even, you could say go, goes dormant in the regular season and, and thrives in the playoffs. And, you know, you might see him actually start to, to get a, a scoring touch back in the playoffs, but, um, considering who they could have had, uh, in that spot or playing 
even higher up in the lineup. Uh, we wanted to get into jury your thoughts about the uh, the the Leafs' uh, choice to let Grabner go in the off season. There was, you know, I guess he he'd indicated he'd want to stay, obviously on the right terms. But it sounds like they just sort of let him slip away. Is that was that a mistake? Did they did 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 he slip through the cracks, or do you think that he is uh, he's just having one of these um, you know paranormal type of stretches? And and do you think that the the Leafs should have not seller's remorse, but divorce remorse, maybe. Uh, or do you think that uh, they should be just be looking, you know, to the future and, and to the younger, um, the younger roster players? Yeah, well, I think that's the thing. If, if he stays, who doesn't have a spot on the on the team now? And to be honest, like when when he started off and was you know lighting the league on fire, I had even forgotten that he played for the Leeds last year. Like, because I yeah. just don't, I barely even remember him doing anything. I guess he didn't do much for us because then you get a shitload of breakaways. And... He's really fast. Yeah. He's yeah, always he's been fast. really, really fast. But I yeah. I remember last year, you're right, Jerry, the only yeah. thing I remembered is he him coming up short every time. He got a ton of breakaways. He's, that's how he's getting his goals now, or at least a, you know, yeah. a bunch of them. But he got chances, he got opportunities, but it's like he couldn't he couldn't pull the trigger last year. Yeah. And I, I don't think like the Leafs are going to look at the fact that they let him go and, and regret that decision because I don't. I don't think he, what he's doing this year isn't isn't who he is, and and then if he's playing on the Leafs this year, then then who is it? And you know who who didn't get a shot? Is it is it Brown or that doesn't get a chance to play? So I'd rather just let let the young guys play to see what they are, and that's the whole purpose of this year is to to see what they got and and go with it. And so speaking of turnover, I wanted to get your opinion of who you think the next, uh, well, I was going to say Joffrey Lupo, but I guess if we go back, it'd be the Stefan Robidaud. So um, what has now been uh, termed Robidaud, do you think that the there's anybody in the current roster that is a candidate to be Robidaud this offseason or next season and be not traded, not bought out, but banished and uh, somehow magically disappearing from the cap do you think are there any of those players left or i don't think so i think i already got rid of the guys that they've purged they wanted no part of like i think if you know if clarkson were still around they'd be fine trying to find a way to to do that but i also wonder like at one point at what point does the league step in and say okay wait a minute like can you guys do this like no one even knows what 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 is lupo doing it's uh lou lamorello is a magician how because yeah. I don't I don't know how he, I don't know how he's gotten away with it. It's almost like it's uh, I almost feel like he just looked at Gary Bettman and just sort of nodded and just said, "You know, I'm, yeah. I'm Lou. You don't question Lou." Well, ultimately, if the player chooses to accept whatever it is that seems to have happened, I mean, it's not even just being it's not a conspiracy theory to assume that they went to Lupul and just said, "Look, we're going to pay you your money, and you're not playing." Let that's, me get, that's how it's going to go. I don't know how you want us to spin this in the media, but that's how this is going to this is going to play out. So let me give you a hypothetical. This is a bit con- uh, what do you call it? Conspiracy theory, but Lupul will uh, you can play out your contract or you will let your contract ride out. Will declare you medically unfit to play, and when you retire, we will hire you as a consultant at. I mean, and then an implied figure. Well, isn't isn't Robida hasn't he already been hired as a consultant? Oh, come on, ob- ob- I would think so. I mean, he was he was on the ice coaching, I think, or doing something at one point. Yeah. That's what's going on. And like, here. still under contract. Yeah. yeah. 
and I get, and probably gonna sign an extension and not as a player, maybe even as a player if they're gonna be really yeah. sneaky about it. But yeah, they're, they're, this is yeah, this is this is something's going on, and I think this is sort of like when the cap was getting circumvented uh, initially with the those uh, heavy, heavy, heavy front loaded contracts. This looks like this yeah. is gonna be a something that gets uh, picked off, and other man, general managers are gonna pick up on and and want. Well, and that's what I mean if they keep if they keep doing it with guys that. They've made mistakes on with contracts that eventually GMs, the league, someone's going to say, okay, like, enough's enough. Yeah. Just because, just because the Leafs, you know, they have an unfair advantage where they can throw money around and they can afford to do it to, to fix their mistakes when most other teams can't. I think that for the NHL, they have to strongly consider the fact that although baseball is outrageous and you shouldn't go that far, and basketball can be outrageous as well. As well. You have to allow for a certain amount of that, I think, because if you have your biggest market teams bringing in top end players consistently, doesn't that help the league overall over time? Like, isn't it good that the Leafs can do this and get good really fast? Isn't that better for Bettman and, and company? It's not that it's. Not, I don't think it'd be. You might not be wrong, but I think what would be the hindrance on that is the fact that gener, of the other general managers would feel they're, they're going to cry foul, and then that would that's what would drive change. I think. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to keep talking to Jury about the MVP for the year. Lots of good options. We'll see what Jury has to say. The rookies, are they are they the real deal? Are they the driving force behind this team? And uh, a, f- a few other topics uh, after the break. And here we are, still on the line with Jury. Uh, Jury, Tom wanted to know this. Last week it was all <laughs> me wanting to discuss things, so I'm glad to be able to say that. Uh, Tom wanted to talk about who the best player is for the Leafs this year. I mean, who who is their their heart winner uh, for the year? Well, you word it, Tom. It's your question. Well, I guess what I'm saying is, um, you know, I think the obvious one is Austin Matthews, but I think we all just saw what happened when Riley went down for a while, and I think when you ask a question like this, you have to consider um who the Leafs can fall back on at the forward position if somebody really important goes down and they have some pretty good options they obviously have some depth but (laughs) a player like Morgan Riley seems like he is uh without him they're not they're they're nothing they look like obviously they could even stand to improve on defense but um I think at this point I would prefer to lose Austin Matthews than Riley uh to have a chance to win what's your what's your opinion on even if you want to, you know, you can you can even choose goaltending for what it, for what it's done at periods of time. But if you had to pick a an MVP, a, a player that you you wouldn't want to lose for an extended period of time uh, for this year, Jerry, who who's, who would that be? I think well, I, two names that I I came up with were Anderson and Matthews, and I kind of, I think I lean towards Anderson because of what you just said about Matthews and and depth at center and that. That they Kadri and, and Bozak could could fill in any absence or void that he would leave, and when you when you look at Anderson and, and what he's done and how he's like how Anderson goes, the Leafs go. It seems if you if you look at his stats from the beginning of the season, they were terrible, and the Leafs picked up next to no points. And then he goes on his run through was it late late November and all of December. When the Leafs were piling up points, and that was numbers, save percentage back into the 800s, and they're struggling to pick up points. And I think just when you look at that, that he's he is the most important piece because 
as I said earlier, they don't have trouble scoring. It's keeping the puck out of the net, and when when he's on his game, it it, it becomes a totally different team. Yeah, and speaking of you know the the team that and how they are playing right now, we not and I were talking about this before we started recording, but uh, the rookies right now. I mean, everybody's talking about the rookies and what they're doing, but you know, as you touched on earlier about uh, players being protected and how you can protect them. It doesn't look like that's happening with these rookies. They're being exposed to the best players in the world on, on a nightly basis. And they're not, you know, Matthews isn't playing against teams third line. He's, he's seen some, he's seen some talent every night. Do you think that the rookies are driving the, the Leafs this year, or do you think they're just filling in the holes? Do you think, do you think that this is, this is mostly from the, the solid veterans like your Bozaks and your, and your, and your Cadres and your Van Riemsdijks, or do you think that the, that the success that the Leafs have this year can be attributed to the rookies as a core? Yeah, it's all the rookies. It's ridiculous how good they are. And remember at the beginning of the season, Babcock said, and he was adamant, he kept saying it over and over how Matthews is starting on the third line. Like he's going to be the third line center, and he scores four goals in the first game, and that's Babcock kept saying it. Is he still you know, 3C? But at some point, that whole first line, second line, third line, you know, when they're on the road, when the Leafs are on the road, the home team's going to dictate that. And when, when Matthews is on the ice, it's, we see who, who the opposition puts up against him. And that tells us what the rest of the league thinks about him. Babcock can say whatever he wants in terms of, of where he sees Matthews as 1C or 2C, but like it's the rookies are the driving force of the team. Sure, and I think, well, you can look at their lines and see it's pretty even. Like the leaves are rolling those first three lines not that differently from each other, um, which, which I think it, you know, is interesting. It makes it difficult for those teams to even do that kind of matching, um, like you're saying. But I would like to toss in a vote for Mitch Marner myself as as being a Hart Trophy candidate for the Leafs. I think he's just been puttering along out of all the rookies. He's just been slamming along there. Uh, anyway, we don't need to respond to that. What I wanted to say is how far down do you need to look? And I would include D in this. At first I was like, ah, we'll leave Morgan Riley out of it. Uh, but I think you can put him in there. At what point are you hitting a player that's not a rookie when you're talking about the most valuable player to the Leafs? If, if you're not dealing with Anderson, I mean, you leave Anderson mm-hmm. off the table. At what point are you actually talking about a player who was here last year? even including Anderson with that question. I mean, I don't know where it is, but I think certainly you're at least hitting Matthews and Marner, and I think, yeah, you have to argue for Nylander as well. So that's tough. For me, Nylander's been a bit too inconsistent, but I I would want to hear Jury's take on, you know, I think I agree with you in terms of Matthews and Marner. I mean, yeah, they've been special, obviously. Yeah, and Marner was was the third name that I had briefly thought about, and then I just went Matthews center. He just... He controls the game so much, and like when we were at the game on Saturday, not has commented on Matthew seems pretty quiet, and and he does at times, but he he creates chances every game, and early on in that game on Saturday night, him and the line just they get the puck down low and they cycle and they put it up front, and he just he's always in the right spot, and he's such a smart player. And as a centerman, and I think that's probably going to be the difference when it comes to Calder voting too, is that. His responsibility as a two-way player, he's just, it's crazy that he's a rookie and he's doing what he's doing. Just one of the many good decisions by this front office. See that? That's called a segue. (laughs) (laughs) 
jury not wanted to talk about uh we were we were thinking looking back on the fanuf trade and uh not reference it as possibly being the the best move by you know the by the shanna plan I, you know it's not it doesn't seem like anybody's really driving the boat there but in terms of the you know the the front office and the 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 decision the major the decisions they've made where does the fanuf trade rank for you and and if it's not number one what is terms of any sort of move that they've made like Clark sure Kennedy, like just any Kessel. of the any of those major decisions that see uh, exactly the Clarkson seems that that was a rabbit out of a hat I don't know how beneficial it was it was obviously that's a that's a ton of cap space so that's a really impressive move but to you of all the draft choices I mean if you want to call Matthews a draft choice that's more like a lottery to me but if, yeah. out of all the choices decisions they've made what do you give them credit for for being there best decision that they've made as a front office i know this this was like this has been the topic on a few other shows as well and it's it's so tough because they're also freaking good like it's it's a combination of everything which seems like a weak answer to the question but like it's it's shanahan coming in and basically sitting back for a year and watching how big of a gong show the organization was and just saying, okay, then we need to completely overhaul this thing. And then somehow they're able to get out from underneath Clarkson's contract and Sunoff's contract. And, you know, Kessel, I think that that was just a, we need to get rid of this guy. He's a good player. We didn't get nearly enough value for him, I don't think, within the trade, but they just wanted him out. It was just part of the complete overhaul. And all those moves add up to the Leafs finishing dead last and as you say winning the lottery like if Kessel's on the Leafs last year he provides enough wins and enough goals for another six points and then they don't get Matthews it's it's just everything is kind of all the chips pretty much have fallen into place like not now we're talking about Saturday what's what's a bad move that the organization has made in the last two years you're having to reach for for Polak or something, which even then is you know yeah. that's that's good if that's your problem, I suppose. No, well, exactly, and that and whereas years prior, you'd have a laundry list full of decisions that were just cringeworthy. Absolutely, and and to me with uh, with Shanahan and then the whole unit he hired, it's not just recognizing that you need to do it, but actually doing it with that Leafs roster. I mean, are you kidding me? You have to. Think about the days that shocked you. I remember we were talking about this too, Jerry, but the days that, that you looked at your phone or whatever it was and, and your mouth just, you know, dropped. It's happened a bunch of times since since Shanahan came in, but doesn't it have to be getting rid of Clarkson? Like, to me, the, the FNUF trade is, is, wow, well done, not retaining salary, but FNUF is a good, serviceable defenseman. He is good. So, man, Wow. I mean, that, isn't that the one? Isn't that isn't that the big one? For, this is, the, I think that the David Clarkson move was like maybe the most impressive because it's like you know how do you get out of a you can't get out of you can't get out of a good contract. How do you get out of a bad contract? So it was the most impressive in terms of how he got it done. But the reason I don't give it you know full marks for the value that it had on the the organization is that it didn't provide you with what you need to win in the future it only eliminated what wouldn't allow you to win. So 
you know, a play, uh, you know, acquiring, choosing Mitch Marner, where they picked him, might have been the difference in the future. Might be the difference between them winning a championship or not. Whereas eliminating David Clarkson was just an inevitability. It's just how and how they did it and how bad it was, how how they could mitigate the damage, and they mitigated the damage beautifully. Anyway, going on with, uh, we wanted to get to. Is that it? Are we going to talk about FNAF? Or are we all done here? I guess we've exhausted everything. We 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 touched on FNAF. Uh, Jerry gave us ten minutes, and we're at eleven, so we should probably uh, we should wrap it up. Yeah. And Grabner just had a breakaway and didn't score. <laughs> Stone hands. Shades of last year. <laughs> all right, Jerry, we're going to wrap up with you. Then uh, we're going to hit up with you again next week if you allow us. I know you got a tight schedule, so uh, if you can, that would be awesome. And uh, thanks, and we'll see you next week. All right, thanks, guys. Welcome to Around the League, featuring Andrew Murray. All right, we, we talked to Jury for way too long, and now we're even later with Murray, but uh, he's been good enough to uh, take our call. Murray, how you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. What are you up to right now? Tell everybody what you're doing. We were talking about this off air. What are you doing? Making some egg carton roses for Valentine's Day. <laughs> no big deal. That's, uh, that's husband of the year, father of the year material. Yeah, yeah. If you guys want uh, a step by step, I can give it to you, but it's pretty straightforward. Is that Pinterest? Uh, no, that was um, we painted caterpillars on Saturday and uh, looking for something a little different. The egg carton and painting because it was a ridiculous snowstorm up here. Yeah, I was telling the guys about that earlier. That I came home and everybody had thought that it was like snowmageddon and it was like you know. <laughs> like 10 centimeters and i just whipped off the driveway real real quick no big deal <laughs> <laughs> yeah you guys get hammered in ottawa yeah we're supposed to get another five tomorrow then another five on wednesday that's brutal that's not going to yeah. melt until july <laughs> yeah. all right let's get into some uh league chat here then with murray uh murray uh i want to talk about uh the Julian firing almost a decade. He was there in Boston. That seems like it was an inevitability. You could actually trace this back to uh, that series against the Leafs uh, when 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 they went down three one to the Leafs. I know that's we, that's blasphemy. Let's not let's, let's not talk about. That. I know we have to though. It's it's relevant, but it's um you know I think I think a lot of observers would have said if they lost that series, he probably would have got canned then. And with that run, he kind of extended his stay there. And it seemed like he did it like sort of, he was always on the line, always the next guy to be pushed out. NHL coaches have an expiration date. Do you think that this was the right move at the right time or just a knee-jerk reaction or just a, a GM that wanted to put his own guy in there? Uh, GM Scott wants to put his own guy in there. Been He's been there so long. These coaches, like who's lasted more than 10 years? I can't remember a coach that's lasted... 15 it seems to be the kind of lifespan of a coach on the, on the high end like lindy rupp was in buffalo for how long yeah he was down there. he was like 20 years but that's an anomaly that was one of those weird ones yeah it seemed like it was definitely something that was a long time coming but um i mean i think it was you tom that always said coaches are hired to be fired kind of thing yeah. uh, and uh it's something that it just it seemed like it was well overdue to have happened before, but a very odd time to do it. I mean, everybody's in the same boat in the East, aren't they? Like, should, should everybody just be firing their coaches? Well, speaking of which, that's the next thing I wanted to get into is who's next. Who do you think is the next? I, I got a couple of names on my list, but who do you think would be, has, has the, the ax dangling over them right now, Murray? Well, with Julian available, 
I got to think in Montreal, they're thinking of what they want to do. Montreal always, uh, they always seem to have this thing. They want a guy that speaks French and here's a guy who's proven coach can speak French. He's available. So I think they're probably wondering what they want to do there right now, but that tells me they don't have the stones to pull a job. Do you think that he would cross enemy lines and do that? That's not something you can do in season. I don't think. I don't think. Can you Julia imagine? Oh man, he was he was fired on the day of the parade, right? <laughs> yeah, like like during the that's, celebration. That's, yeah, that's yeah. heartless, man. That if I'm Julian, I don't give a fuck about what what the Bruins <laughs> are gonna feel. <laughs> Who cares? Well, I mean, for me. Definitely Montreal is the one I think about, but I think a team that obviously gets forgotten. We just talked about him, but Dallas seems like. Oh man, I think he's gone in the summer. You think so? Yeah. What's the point of COVID now? Well, you know, when you look at the 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 firings that have happened this year, the teams, for the most part, it looks like a lot of them have turned it around. I mean, I guess you know you can't always attribute that to the the coaching, but. And I guess if you're Dallas, it's maybe you're not even looking toward this year, but you're looking toward the future. But uh, this is this is this is coach firing season, and and uh, obviously we we get the flood of firings, and then we will get the hirings starting anytime soon, then working into the off season. But you know the X factor in all of this, I think, is Las Vegas, who just you know is not looking to acquire; they're only looking to acquire. So it's you know the the talent pool is going to get smaller. I think if Dallas can get a goalie. It's worth making a trade, or making a trade, cutting your cutting your coach. But if they can get a goalie, I think they have the team, they have the talent, they have the players. But man, without a goalie, that team is dead in the water. Well, how long have you been saying that? Like we were, we were still young, hip kids, like without children, when Dallas's goalie problem started. Right? It's been a long time. I feel like every year, it's a, it's 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 insane to me that that's been allowed to continue as long as it has. Who no. was the last good good goalie? Well, well, it was Lettinen before he started being Belfort. terrible. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say Belfour. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I guess you can't count them, right? Because uh, it wasn't long enough. It wasn't like enough success. I mean, you can count Belfour, not Lettinen. I mean. Yeah, no, but obviously, you know, all teams are going to live and die by goaltending, but we want to move on here, Murray, because I know it's getting late, but... Uh, oh, no, 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 I got one. I got right. a suggestion for a coach to be fired. All right, let's hear Mur- Let's hear your, your take on the on the coaches here. Uh, how do you guys feel about uh, the Winnipeg Jets? Oh, that's, yeah, that's and, a good and call, And Paul too. Maurice. That's a good call, I too. feel like he's, his, uh, his shelf life has expired by now as well, and, uh, you know, eh, it's Winnipeg. It's always <laughs> like that, isn't it? Isn't that always your reaction? <laughs> <laughs> two, two years ago they were supposed they made the playoffs they were supposed to do great things and then next thing you know they got line a somehow yeah that's true <laughs> i mean that's going to bode well for the future but mm. obviously they they thought they were going to be winning a little sooner than that all right let's go let's get into uh this night fist uh <laughs> bullshit that happened the other night murray i know everybody's probably had a chance to look at it now i i've been notorious for a long time of defending uh, gross offenders when it comes to these types of actions, and I, I don't know what it, I don't know why it is. I think I'm I naturally I sympathize with the guy who's getting uh, crapped on by by everybody else. But uh, Murray, just generally, just first observations: the like fist, high stick. What did you see? What did you think of it? That could easily have been one of the worst events the league's had in a long, long time. 
I think of like Brian Burrard getting high sticks in the eye, and that was an accident. This guy deliberately speared him in the face. He he walked away in game with a double minor because the refs had no clue what the hell happened. Like that, they're gonna throw the book at him. That that's atrocious. I don't disagree. I'm curious to know. As I preface this, I wanted you to get your first word in there before I I played devil's advocate. In, if I'm going to play devil's advocate, do you, do you give him any credit for the remorse that he appeared to show literally instantly? No. He speared a guy in the face. Yeah. Now, <laughs> I, I really wished that it was a referee when I saw it happen, Murray, just so I could hear your reaction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Murray does a bit of side refing, so Murray's the uh, he acts as the uh, union rep for all uh, all all refs everywhere, multi sport too. Uh, he fucking speared a guy in the face. Yeah, no, he did. I, I, I agree, and I don't know how. I tried to rewatch it as well, you know, and I just don't know how you see it any other way than than it was a vicious move. I don't think he meant to actually hit him, but I think he was making a gesture of like. You know what I mean? I don't think he thought it through. And that's and for me, that's the only that's the only caveat where I say, look, where I where I would where I give him an inch and only an inch is that he showed immediately remorse. It, it's almost like he showed remorse as he was doing it. It was sort of ridiculous to see that coupled with the fact that he, to your point, not he didn't think about what he was doing. So he didn't have time to make a malicious decision. That being said. It was obviously completely inexcusable, and I I agree with you, Murray, that the just the the location and how he hit him that could have been so much worse than it was. That's the first thing I thought is if he could he could I hate to sound like a little old lady, but he could have he could have lost his eye, and that would have been literally lost his eye, and that would have been brutal for the for everyone, but for the league that would have been brutal. All right, let's move on. Uh, Mike Yelich was a cornerstone in not not just for Detroit, but for ownership of sports franchise in North America for decades. Um, it it looked it, it looks like he sort of was uh, that type of pioneer guy. That I don't know how much credit you should give the owner, but I mean he had he had enough trust to to stick with one of the best you know general managers of all time. So you have to give him credit there. Murray, what's your take on um, the passing of Mike Illich, What he meant to Detroit, and and if you think that it's going to affect maybe their long term viability, and uh, and just sort of thoughts about Detroit and how they're gonna how they're gonna move forward after this. Man, he's everything to that city, especially hockey-wise. He owns basketball, or he owns one of the other teams. The Tigers, yeah, baseball, yeah. Baseball, that's right, that's right. He owns baseball, he owns hockey, and he owns pizza. Like, the man... What more do you need in life, actually, now that you say that, Murray? (laughs) (laughs) No kidding. Does does he own a microbrewery as well or something? (laughs) Like, I'm I'm sure he's got something on the microbrewery side, too, but just, like... How long have the the Wings been in the playoffs for? What twenty five years? Is it something like that? Straight? Like it's absurd how long they've been in the playoffs with the parity in the league today. The man just commands respect. You look at the the GMs that have gone through there, the ones that he's groomed. Like everybody just has nothing but good things to say about the Wings, and it all starts with the owner. Like he's good. Like it's sad because he's what you want for your league and. 
yeah, the man's not there anymore. So we'll see what happens. Uh, it's kind of a turning point in the franchise. You know, Datsuk left. Zetterberg's close behind. I think that the Wings are got to look at going into a quick rebuild if they can here. Do you think that, but... this is what we wanted to get into next? Do you think that they should tear it down? Is it time for them to finally say that this was it was great while well, it lasted? They said, I think, a North American professional sports franchise record for the consecutive playoff appearances, and that's really impressive. But at the end of the day, if you don't see the makings of a championship at some point, which I don't think anybody really does, to your point, I mean, you know, you have one of the best defensemen of all time retire, and of course that sets off a domino effect. Do you think? Do you think it's time for them to finally accept their fate, or do you think that they? Do you think they're a legitimate team that can, you know, that can, you know, once you make the playoffs, anything can happen, type thing. They got some pieces, but I think they got to get a few more pieces. I think they, they got to look at it and rebuild a touch here. But it, this league, as you make the playoffs, you have a chance. Like yeah. Everybody's got a chance. Like, obviously, there's the elite and elite, but what was it the one year we had Edmonton, Carolina? Yeah. <laughs> that, was be- that was before we had parity, too. That's a that, that's a fair point, and I think the parity piece is really important in this. When when you look at the Eastern Conference, it's 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 mind boggling to me compared to what it used to be. You don't even need to go back that many years to to look at that and and just go, like it, it's bonkers. It's one good week away from going from last place to to a high high seed in the playoffs, not even just making it. Uh, it's pretty crazy. Well, you go on a three game slide, you you might miss the playoffs. Yeah, it, it, it and this is uh, this is what they've been talking about. Obviously, the the three point games they've been bringing up recently, and and how that would affect uh, how that would affect teams that were, of course, I think it was was it Scotty Bowman Jr. who said uh, <laughs> the way uh, the way it would affect them is uh, the teams that were behind would have a much easier chance or a much viable much more viable chance of catching up. And that's, I mean, you know, I think that's, I think as a team that, as a fan of a team that's sort of behind in the standings, that's what you, that's what you would want. So, although, although I think they enjoy the parity they see now, I think that that's, uh, that's going to be a legitimate option for them to look at. I don't know what's your, actually, sorry, this is, I I brought this up uh, off, (laughs) off the cuff, but Murray, what's your take on uh, moving to the uh, three point game uh, uh, format? Whatever makes it so you have meaningful games late in the season. That's the best way to go. You want everybody playing for something down the stretch. Like, sorry, but who gives a sh- who gives a shit about Colorado right now? Yeah. Like, if they could somehow have a way to have something to play for, other than the first overall pick, but I don't know. You, you got to do it. It's it's great the way it is, and if more teams to get more points, then maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, and and it's obviously the way the NHL's wanted to go. So if it's going to help. Sure, and uh, yeah, that's what I mean. Is uh, Gary Bettman's looking at this and going, "It's amazing, <laughs> I love it." Yeah, and and it also generates like it's so much easier for those GMs that used to be you know somewhat commonplace, but now it must be so much easier for them to exist. The ones who just refuse to believe that their that their project is not going to work. So because you're so close, you can just kind of go, "Ah, <laughs> we're all right. <laughs> we just we're just one move away. We just need to make that big trade." Every, um, everybody thinks they're a little bit better than they are. Mm-hmm. Everybody's a, everybody says everybody says they're a player or two away from from being the team they need to be. And those teams that are out, like look what Colorado thinks they can get for Duchesne and Landis Cog right now. Yeah. Like that asking price is absurd. Do you think that do you think that that is sort of uh, you know 
aim for the moon because if you miss you hit the stars or you think they're going to get anything close to that or or what why do you think they they would a team that seems like i guess they're not desperate at this point but uh you know if you're earnest about uh about actually sort of recharging this thing a little bit you're not gonna you don't i I agree with you you're not going to get something like that for those players do you think that what do you think that kind of move is that do you think they're bluffing or what that's just posturing two weeks before the deadline you're obviously going to say that's what you want and see what guys come back with. And then you make a decision in the days leading up to the deadline, okay, what's the best offer on the table? They don't have to make a deal now. They may make it in the off season when somebody's got a bit more cap space or something. Uh, who knows? But those guys aren't, like, the elite teams of the league aren't looking at those guys. It's the guys that are the fringe teams that are trying to get a guy right now. So, There's a ton of those yeah. teams right now in the East and the West. Yeah. And what do you think? And, you know, we've been paying a lot of attention, obviously, you know, geographically we're in the East, but the East does get a lot of media play, you know, all the time. But the West has not been what the West has been. It hasn't been the wild, wild West this year as it has been in, you know, years past. It looks like it's, it you know, except for, again, you know, a handful of teams, it looks like it's pretty wide open. Do you think that that's uh do you think that's going to be a natural transition of the the west sort of being that crapshoot that the the east has been for years and now the east is the stronger conference or is just is this balance going to go back and forth or do you think the west is sort of just it's lost its muster? That's a tough one. Both conferences have their two or three elite teams and then both conferences have their two or three we're not sure if they're elite but they're playing like they're elite teams. And then it's Everybody battling it out after that. I think it's, I think it's just the way the league's gone now. The West used to be so, so powerful, but even the shit teams in the West used to be good. Even yeah. like the even because that's the thing. Colorado sucks. They they blow. But if but the 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 fourteenth and fifteenth place teams in the East of the the old conferences, they. They were good. You could legitimately they were like their records were like five hundred. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. Yeah, definitely. Um, speaking of, of these teams that are right in the thick of it, Murray, where you live, there is a hockey team. I don't know how many people there actually know that. But, What's the, uh, is, it, it's a, is it a professional? Do they have a professional team there? Uh, I think it's semi-pro. Is it? Yeah, yeah, they're called the Senators. They were captained by that weird Swedish dude. For is a it while, an NHL-affiliated team? Is that what it is? Or uh, I don't know. Is it, Murray? Is it an NHL team? It's full... I'm I'm a little unsure. I went to their game last week, and um, the stand suggested it was possibly AHL at best. Um, with about five minutes to go, it maybe looked like Junior C at fan attendance. How many so people? Was, how many people there, Murray? How many people at the game? Ah, uh, don't quote me on it, but to start the game, maybe fourteen thousand. Like percentage say, percentage of the arena. Like, give me like what like what does it seem like? How many seats were empty? Our seats, last row, three hundred level. All right, you know what? We're walking up. Okay, we're looking our side. The the aisle we walked up is clearly the divide between the two price levels of tickets. We look over, our seats are to the left. It's full. We look over to the right. We're like, fuck, why don't we sit anywhere we want in these 10 rows because there's nobody here. (laughs) (laughs) So we sat about five up from there, right in the middle, and, you know, we could do whatever we wanted. There was nobody there. What did you say? So, your t- what? What was your tickets? Where were your tickets? Uh, uh, the ticket we had was last row in the building. Typical big spender, Murray. <laughs> I, you know what? My buddy won him on the radio. Can't complain. 
Yeah, we're not even giving away tickets. I guess we shouldn't chirp. What kind of a... Well, you know what? If I was going to give away tickets to the Leafs, <laughs> I'd be a lot less cheap than that. I can't believe they're giving you last row tickets. I mean, that's lame. We, we, yeah, so I won tickets to the good old CFL this summer, and like, same thing, terrible tickets. And we were like, you either win amazing tickets or you win like the worst tickets. And I think what they do <laughs> is they just want to say they have tickets to give away. So they have contests and you can win. And it's like, yeah, you won tickets. Great. Yeah. But it's the worst seat in the house because they just went on the, in the morning of. And You're telling me that we should give away tickets and just make them decent and then we'll get more, more people listening? <laughs> I think you guys have bigger things to, to battle than, <laughs> than that. Because <laughs> it's going to end up you going with your mom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I already told you my mom's out. She's not listening to this. She told me no. <laughs> oh, your mom's not listening. No, yeah. she doesn't count on the uh, on the ticker. She said she's not going to listen. I don't blame her, but you know, we have dozens. Yeah, we have do. dozens of listeners, Murray. So you take that back. <laughs> dozens. Yep. Man, you could buy a ticket for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wonder how many uh, how many uh, tickets in the Suns game. I wonder how many are won from contests. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And spe- speaking of which, this is a team that's second in the Atlantic. Like they're they're not. <laughs> what more do you want if you live in Ottawa from your team? Oh, it was an ice storm that night. This seems to be a theme up here, but uh, uh, but still, like it was it was probably the worst game of the year. It was ugly. Like they were playing St. Louis, and St. Louis has got something to play for these days. And Jake Allen was in net, and he's like, you know what, Carter Hunt got a shutout last night. I guess it's my turn. So. Anyways, they uh, probably like halfway through the third. I think it was five nothing, and it was just ugly, and the building just emptied out. Like it was, it was sad. That hasn't really said, been typical of, the, of Ottawa this year, though. It, do you think that? Do you think that that was uh, was that a one off, or I guess I haven't been following closely, but it seems like they've been holding in there. They're holding in there, but they have some really bad games. And by no means am I a fan. Let me just state my allegiance. <laughs> Full disclosure. Full disclosure, not a fan. <laughs> but it's hard. You know what? When the Hamburglar came in a couple of years ago and they went like 20 and 1 down the stretch, like it was hard not for them to win a small piece of your heart. So, so I, I was wondering about this, Mary, because you're a little bit more tuned into the Senators uh, than the rest of us. And we don't want to ignore them entirely on, on the podcast. I want to be able to say yeah, that. Let's reach out to those douchebags. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I want I want to be able to say that you know we, we tried to give you adequate airtime. You're just a terrible team. But maybe when they get Clark MacArthur back, things will be okay. You know what? Honestly, the, I think the whole Ontario rivalry is it's not dead, but it's like I don't hate the Senators. I like I like I love that the Senators and the Senators fans hate the Leafs. I think that's cool. But I don't hate on the Senators. What have they done to us lately? They're they're fun to hate. All I can say is we've gone to plenty of games in Ottawa and chirped the Senators fans, and you oh. walk and you walk away laughing. But only in Montreal did you get punched directly in the face i got knocked, I got knocked out i got knocked out in morial i did that guy was by a french dude he sucker punched me not not what were you doing at we figured probably the exact moment that he got punched uh oh that's right yeah you and i we were, <laughs> you were we were with the ice girls right <laughs> they were like 40 guys yeah there were 40 of them you're right yeah. no they were like... <laughs> whatever uh, it was better 
better get punched in the face. That's all I know. <laughs> At least I had a story to tell. You guys, you guys got to say, hey, look at these forty-year-old ice girls. Our story is you being punched in the face. In yeah, the, so the I was your, I, I was your story. <laughs> so, Murray, I was going to ask you with the upcoming draft for Vegas. It seems to me, not that I'm that interested in what's going on in Ottawa. But they're going to have a, a couple decisions to make on the back end, aren't they? Um, like I heard anyway, I don't know if you got anything more in the media there that Fanoff asked or was asked to waive his no trade clause. Is, is that true? And if so, what do you think they're going to do with their D? Who, who are they going to who are they going to expose? Uh, no clue on the Fanoff thing. He's got a no movement, doesn't he? Yeah, that sucks for Ottawa. Um, <laughs> don't you think they can move him though? I think there's somebody out there no. that'll take him. Really? I think he's getting paid what seven mil for the next six years? Uh, no, he's burned. I think five he's burned. Two, he's burned two off. I think he's got five more years. Yeah. Oh, sorry, five years then. It's a bit yeah. steep, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. But don't you know? Does he have to? He does have to waive his no trade or no movement to even be exposed to do anything. Uh, uh, actually, want to do is, that, is that true, Maria? Do you know anything about that? Actually, I heard there was they had to negotiate that. If you had a no movement clause, I don't think you could be exposed. The team had to you protect have, you. The team has to protect you if you have no movement. They, yeah. You, you can ask the player to, like, wave it, I guess. Like uh, a Marc-Andre right. Fleury kind of deal. But if you're if you're Vegas, you don't want enough, do you? Just, but I mean, here's here's if you're starting and you've got it's it's free talent, and I get the the price is is not worth it. But by the time that they've built up whatever they're they try to build his contract will expire. They're not going to be anything for five years anyway. No, he's a legitimate NHL player. He might be overpaid. But... And and how many teams in the league? We were joking about this on the last podcast. How many teams in the league are looking for a D man? And so they're not going to be very good on the back end anyway. Dion Phaneuf will be their best defenseman if they if they expose him. From what I, the list that I'm seeing, by and far he, their best defenseman. Even if Ottawa chewed two million of that contract, that might still be worth it for them. Which is which is amazing that that's the amazing thing about the Leafs is that they didn't have to do that when they made that trade. They that was they they, they moved all those dollars, which is <laughs> now Ottawa's <Yeah>. problem. <laughs> that, that was that was the happiest day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Although they screwed but, yeah. over Milan in all that process, and I still say that's that's just so sad for him. Milan, you're on a first name yeah. basis. That's then? right, I am. We're pals. <laughs> Jared got screwed then too. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. He's never going to play in the league again, though, right? He's done. But the, the thing up here is Brian Murray was the one that pulled that deal, and he's not the GM anymore. It's Pierre Dorian. So who knows what he feels about Finesse and whether he'd open him up or not. Hard to know. They cool. got CC, they got Carlson on the back end. They, I don't think they'll protect CC, and obviously Carlson's Carlson. So they got some good young forwards, and. Uh, they're going to lose a good piece, I think. It's just hard to know who. Yeah, and I can't argue with not that I think it's it's more likely than not that it's going to, or very well could be a goaltender. Uh, Murray, we're going to let you go, but we wanted to just quickly touch on, not brought this up to me. I don't know if this is true. We didn't fact check this. We just heard this, and it seemed like it was legitimate. I don't speak anything but facts, Tom. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the fact, or the purported fact, was that uh, Henrik Lundqvist just got his 400th win and that he is the quickest goaltender to 400 wins. Now, I've always thought, I've always respected Henrik, Henrik Lundqvist, but I've always thought he was a bit overrated. And by that, I mean, um, I think he's a good goalie. I think he's p- probably a Hall of Famer. I think that's fair to say. He's played enough in the league and his numbers look like they're they're going to they're gonna do it. Um, but 
it it always seemed to me like he sort of almost got framed as one of the greatest. And I never really... I don't think at any point he was the best goalie in the league. Let's put it that way. So that's my take on Lungfist. So I, I, I think I was humbled a little bit when I know, when I heard that stat that he was the fastest to 400. What's your take on, on uh, Lungfist and his, his legacy, Murray? Do you think he is one of the greatest? Do you think he's overrated, underrated? Or are you surprised to hear that fact? Uh, surprised he's up in the greatest. He's definitely one of the best. I don't know if he's one of the greatest. Um, yeah, he's everything to that franchise, though. That franchise wouldn't be where they are today if it wasn't for him in the last ten years. He's he's been their backbone. He's been he's kept them together. So and, oh, he's definitely he, he's a Hall of Famer. That's for sure, though. I I don't see how he doesn't make the Hall of Fame, especially playing in a big market like New York. Too. I think you get a little more coming at you when you're in New York, Toronto, Montreal, the bigger markets. So yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Is you're playing on Broadway and being as consistently good as he was. And is, you know, I don't want to take it away from him after a couple of bad months, but, you know, to be as consistently good as he's been and in that high pressure, I agree, is, is, is a bigger piece. And that's probably part of the reason why the Leafs have such trouble. You mentioned it last podcast, Tom, the decade that they spent with good goaltending. But prior to that, it was a crapshoot. And after that, it's been a crapshoot. So you have to figure that the pressure of that of that market plays into that in spite of the suits eating their caviar and sushi in the in the front row. There's still a lot of pressure to play there, right? It's hard for me to, you know, empathize with, with a professional athlete and the kind of pressure that they face. Like, it's like, I, you, I agree with you. I would agree with you. You sound right. I can't imagine. I imagine, I guess when, when I hear things like that, I imagine myself playing in, like myself right now, playing goaltender for the New York Rangers at Madison Square Garden and how fucking scared shitless I would be. But the reality is he's a professional athlete and he's built his way up to this. And I, I think this is like, I don't want to say a walk in the park for him, but this is, I mean, he clearly has his stress levels managed to the point where he can live a normal life, to my knowledge. And I think most, a lot of professional athletes do. So it's hard for me to place too much on the pressure aspect. Although I, I will say... Uh, with reference to physical pressure, he has carried the load there. All right, Murray, we took enough of your time. We're going to let you go. Uh, we're going to uh, touch base with you the next week, and I don't know if we're going to have you doing uh, NHL talk or maybe some. Uh, we'll touch on some fantasy stuff or maybe we'll switch you over to Leafs. We'll, we'll see. But thanks for get, – get back to your uh, Valentine craft making, and uh, thanks for going uh, into overtime with us here. No worries, boys. Talk to you later. All right, thanks to Murray. It was good to have uh, it was good to have another insight on the show this week. Yeah, uh, it, it's nice. Even even somebody from Ottawa, it's okay. I think yeah, we can take it. It's somebody who plays squash. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not gonna let that go. No, and I don't think we should. Yeah, I don't think it's um, it's something someone should take pride in. No, no, I don't think so. Um, we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have lots to talk about uh, in the next few weeks, I guess, with the trade deadline coming up. Yeah, it's it's actually kind of nice because it feeds us some uh, some drama a little bit, you know, things to talk about and 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 think about. I think next week we'll probably uh, try to add a segment on w- maybe what we predict, what we think is a good fit for some teams around the league in terms of what's available. Although this trade deadline feels very different to most of them, don't how, you think? How so? It just doesn't. It doesn't. You, you know, don't there's, think there's any usually, big names are going to move. Well, exactly. Yeah, I think there's usually a lot of names, and everybody knows that there's going to be a handful that are definitely moving. It's just a matter of time. But in this case, I don't. You know, most of the speculation is, Jerome, is just that Jerome McGinley. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and they're not players that that excite anybody, mm-hmm. um, which has been going on for a while. But even still, they're 
you know, it's just, yeah, uh, it just feels different. It doesn't have the same allure, you know? I used to think about calling in sick on trade deadline day, and now <laughs> why would you? Do you, uh, do you think any of the, do you think the movement is going to be the way it's been the last little while where it's, it's sort of well before the deadline? It seems like these, you know, these deadline deals don't happen the way they used to. It seems like everybody sort of does their housekeeping pretty early. Yeah, I think that in a lot of cases, it's probably just thinking, why wait? If you know, if you know the move you want to make and you've, and you've worked it out, there, there's probably some good reasons to wait. Probably, you know, if you're trying to get a bidding war up for a player or something, you know, wait it out, make people a little nervous. But otherwise, if you're a team acquiring or you're making a move to, to bring somebody in that's, that you think is going to help you win this year, if you can make that move a little earlier, why, why wouldn't you pull the trigger? If that's the player you want and you've worked at a deal you're comfortable with, why take the chance that you're going to lose them? Yeah, I've always been an advocate of, you know, um, it's okay to overpay for some players. Uh, s salary and through acquisition, it's okay to overpay for some players because, you know, at the end of the day, when you're building a team, you, you have to go out and get your guy, however that is. So, you know, I don't begrudge an, a, a GM who, cal who has a calculation who says, you know, I'm going to try to make as few mistakes as I can along the way so that when the time comes, I can go out and get any guy I want, even if I have to overpay. Mm-hmm. If it's what you need, right? And yeah. If you've ever been in a foreign country and come across a McDonald's after a week or two of eating other kinds of food, it's like, it's like heaven on earth. You just <laughs> you'll pay anything. It doesn't matter what they're charging for a Big Mac. I, I'm paying for it. It's fine. So, in, in addition to the trade uh, deadline coming up for the Leafs, um, we'll talk about next week. Uh, I think what we think that kind of moves that the Leafs maybe ought to make or the moves that we think that they might or, or might not. But an interesting schedule coming up for the Leafs over the next week, so there'll be a lot to talk about there. Uh, they've got, uh, obviously, this game against the Islanders tomorrow, the Blue Jackets and the Senators before the end of the week, and then back-to-back -back as they have the Hurricanes again on Sunday. But all of those games, very important games. Yeah, and it was Morgan Riley, I think, that said, uh, you know, a game in hand is only uh, is only relevant if you win. And, uh, you know, with the bye week, you can look at those extra games that they have in hand and think that it's sort of they have it in their back pocket. But at the same time, if you're playing four or five games a week, that's a grind. And the, the, a lot of those teams have already done that grind and they might get be getting a little extra rest. Well, teams like the Leafs might be uh, might be in for a bit of a bumpy ride down the stretch. Either way, we got uh, some exciting weeks coming up, so we definitely want to thank anybody that's that's still listening to this and, and for the feedback. Uh, again, feel free to email us at lsbpodcast at gmail.com with any ideas, show ideas, segment ideas, anything really. Yeah. We, actually, we, we really do appreciate the uh, positive feedback. There's been some pretty good, but I, I always wonder if it's like, you know, like, Telling, telling like a kindergartner that they did a good job. Is oh, that, it definitely is. Is that what it is? Yeah. Because I figure if we were good, we would get some haters by now. Yeah. Isn't that how it works? We don't have any haters yet. You know what? They always say to work your friends and family, and uh, we're lucky enough to have a lot of good friends and family to help us out. Fair point. So we should just relish in that. We have inflated stats. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> exactly, we do. Yeah. <laughs> a good percentage of our listeners are share our dna yeah <laughs> yeah um if you do enjoy the podcast and you'd like to help it out uh it does definitely help to to rate review and, and download episodes um so definitely do that and, and pass it off if you think you you know someone else or someone you know might enjoy the podcast too the lsb podcast is also available through most online podcast distributors um, that includes itunes we're available on soundcloud you can also find us on stitcher and on google play music yeah, we want to let you know how to get a hold of uh, Jury and Murray too. If you want to uh, troll those guys on Twitter, you can uh, you can 
hit up Jerry on Twitter at uh, at Jerry underscore 61. And Murray is at M-U-R underscore R-A-Y. So I guess uh, we'll wrap this up then, Tom. Yeah. Uh, how do you, what do you, uh, grade, what do you think? Give us a grade for our second show. I think we've shown improvement. Yeah. Does that, is it, would we win the most improved award? I wouldn't go that far. We've shown a slight improvement. <laughs> Modest improvement? Yeah. All right. We're going to uh, wrap up our second show. Uh, be sure to check us out next week. Uh, we're going to keep talking to Jerry and uh, we're going to see if Murray will take our call. We might actually talk to, uh, a Habs fan that will be named later. I don't know if he's going to take our call because we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna chirp, but we're gonna get on to some uh, some trade talk obviously coming up. And uh, thanks again for listening. Really appreciate it, and guys. And if you want uh, any positive reviews or negative reviews, uh, we we appreciate anybody even acknowledging us. So thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the Long Suffering Buds podcast. Connect with the Buds on Twitter at at AdamLSB and at LSBTom. See you next week.